You've tuned in to localjobnetwork.com radio, where you can find all of your favorite employment-related shows. I'm your host, Katie Chesney, and you're listening to I Want to Be A, a show where we walk our starry-eyed job seekers through the reality of how to get their dream jobs or careers. And today we are looking at how to become a ghostwriter. And joining us today is Bruce Kasanoff, and he is founder of Kasanoff Ghostwriting and author of How to Self-Promote Without Being a Jerk. So, Bruce, thank you for joining the show today. Well, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Now, before we dive into being a ghostwriter, can you explain to our audience what exactly a ghostwriter is and, you know, the services that you provide for people? Sure. There's different types of ghostwriters, but fundamentally, a ghostwriter is helping someone write either a book or article, and the client, that is the person that I work with, their name goes on the piece of writing that we produce, not mine. So basically, it's just an uncredited writer. Mm -hmm. So as a ghostwriter, what kind of services do you provide? My niche is is a little bit unusual in that most of my work is writing articles for people. Mm -hmm. That is, so I will work with mostly entrepreneurs and some speakers, and I write for them uh, either for LinkedIn or for Forbes or for industry magazines or sometimes bigger magazines like a fast company. Mm -hmm. And I'm doing shorter pieces, 500 or 700 words. Occasionally I'll do a book, but I really prefer to do short pieces. Mm -hmm. What attracted you to being a ghostwriter? For me, it was kind of an accidental career. I've Mm -hmm. been in business for a long time. I've founded companies. I've worked as a senior manager for other people. I've been a speaker. I've been a consultant. And along the way, I did a lot of writing myself, Mm -hmm. but it just kind of, as I got to a certain point and I realized that what's happened in the world is that what's called content marketing has become much more prevalent. You know, the rise of the web and very hard to just use basic advertising for companies to sell at this point. Mm -hmm. And so as content marketing became more and more prevalent, it really, it, instead of me saying, oh, I'm going to become a ghostwriter, what happened was that people would see me writing under my own name online, and they saw marketing in my background, and so I would get these occasional inquiries saying, you know, could you help me? You know, do you ever help me with something I would want to do or write? Mm-hmm. And over time, I just, I started doing more of it and less of, for example, consulting and speaking. And then at one point, I got to the stage where I said, you know, this would be a great life. Mm-hmm. And it's great because it's highly flexible. You mm-hmm. know, if, if you want to go into a office every day and you have to be there from 8 to 6.30 and, you know, whereas I can write any place I want to. So I, I just, it finally dawned on me, this would be a really cool existence. Mm-hmm. Now, did your previous experience as a speaker and a consultant help you break into being a successful ghostwriter? Yes. Okay. Yes. First, because I was visible already. Mm-hmm. So I had a lot of contacts. I had the, for example, I've written under my own name. I've been in Business Week. I've been in Fast Company. I, I write for Forbes today. I write for LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. I wrote for LinkedIn. I was in the influencer program. So when there were only 125 people who could write on LinkedIn, I was one of them. And so that visibility is, you know, you stop and think about it. If you write an article and 50,000 people see it and it says ghostwriter next to your name, it's essentially an ad mm-hmm. for, for what you do. So, yeah, it, 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 it certainly helped me. Okay. Now, would you say that getting yourself established first would be something that you should definitely consider doing if you're interested in being a, a ghostwriter? Well, I think that today it, it's a complicated answer. I don't think that you necessarily have to do it, but I'll tell you what the advantages of it are. Mm-hmm. The more specialized knowledge you have, 
And the more you're working with someone with that specialized knowledge, the less a long track record mm-hmm. is necessary. So for example, if you studied engineering in school and you come out of school and you want to ghostwrite for an engineer, you know, who wants to write about, you know, how he or she does product development or how or she, you know, codes or whatever, that's probably enough. You could be 22 or 23 or 24. As long as you're a good writer, you could probably be successful there. And you could also find a way to be very targeted and reaching out to engineers. And you know, for example, you go through LinkedIn and see who had written and send them a note saying, hey, I love this piece, but I, if you ever get tired of doing this all yourself, I could help you do it. That's not my niche at all. Mm-hmm. I tend to work with entrepreneurs, people who have been in business for a while, people who are running companies. That's a hard niche to break into without business experience. Mm-hmm. So more specialized, easier. The more you get to general leadership, general business, running companies, it's hard because it's hard to be 24 year old, years old and write in a you know convincing manner about business strategy because you haven't done it. Mm-hmm. You had mentioned earlier that it's a highly flexible kind of place to be. So do you have a typical day? And if you do, could you kind of walk us through what that looks like? Sure. I have a typical day that the flexibility part of it comes from where I am. Mm -hmm. So I travel around a bit and and so that. But generally speaking, I write three or four articles in a day. Okay. And so I start early, probably Mm -hmm. seven o'clock in the morning. I'm writing a piece. If I'm going to write a piece for myself, so the one thing you have to recognize in, in my description is that because I continue to write in my own name, I'm unlike a lot of ghostwriters, that I'll do something for myself and then I'll do something for somebody else. And mm-hmm. myself is the way that I keep business coming in and also that I get to I get to say what's on my mind, not just what's on other people's mind. Mm-hmm. So typically at 7 or between 7 or 8, 7 or 8.30, I'm going to write a piece for myself. And then I write one or two pieces in the morning for somebody else. I typically have a couple of phone calls in the late morning, early afternoon mm-hmm. with either a client or a prospective client. All my clients are different. So some people want to be, let's talk about the next article. Right. And so I'll call them up and we'll talk. Some people will send me an email and say, hey, here's an idea. And, and it's a paragraph or it's a sentence. Mm-hmm. And some people are a combination. So I kind of middle of the day, give myself a break, have a couple of those conversations. And then I'll come back and I'll write another article in the afternoon. On a really good day, I'll do one more in the later afternoon. Mm-hmm. I, I find it hard. Maybe I'm you know undisciplined or unproductive, but I find it hard to go much past three, I mean, not, not time, three articles. Because what you have to do, the thing, the challenging part about being good at ghostwriting is it's not just writing a good objectively good article. It's writing an article that is in the voice of the person who hired you. Okay. So for example, I have I have one woman, she's a speaker. She's a dynamic, outgoing, vivacious, and, and kind of unfiltered mm-hmm. person. And, you know, so for, for me, writing for her is like a, it's a chance to be somebody else. Okay. I say things I wouldn't say myself. I say it in a more uh, unfiltered and direct manner, that's a different mindset. You have to be able to say, okay, well, today I'm writing for, I'm going to make up a name, Susan, and Susan's going to use exclamation points, and she's going to put certain words in capitals, and she's going to maybe say a word that I wouldn't even put in a in an article because it's you know a bit edgy, mm-hmm. but for her, I'll do it. And then I might be writing for somebody who's a uh, CIO or IT person at a 
technical company, mm-hmm. and he is very more nouns than verbs. You okay. know, more like you know business strategy, technical implications. And I have to slow myself down and think, you know, how would he say this? Mm-hmm. And it's completely different than how Susan would say it. So that's the trickiest part of being a ghostwriter, as opposed to, you know, there's an entirely different career, which is essentially just content writing. Like, you know, there's a lot of people who come out of school and are writing, you know, they're getting paid $50 to write a blog post. Mm-hmm. And it, it's not necessarily in somebody else's voice. And it's just about, you know, how to pick a new computer or ways to polish your resume. But there's no personal voice to that. Mm-hmm. Now, the difference between the two professions, to be honest, is compensation. Okay. Is that if, if you're if you're just writing blog posts, there are many, 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 many businesses out there that just have, you know, the more page views they get, mm-hmm. the more money they generate. And it's all about page views. But, you know, it's 25 or $50 they can afford at most for that article. You know, Ghostwriter will charge a higher price because getting, you know, it to sound like Katie is a different skill than just, you know, give me 250 words on finding a job. Mm-hmm. The challenge, and I, I totally understand this, is, you know, finding that voice of the person who hired you. So what do you do to kind of get to know that person's voice? Do you, you know, watch any videos that they have? Or do you sit down and have a phone interview, a face-to-face interview? Do you exchange some emails? What does that conversation look like? Yes, that's the answer. But I, So I have a pretty regimented, but a usual, every time I get a new client, it starts with a conversation, mm-hmm. a pretty extended conversation. Then typically, I will shoot an email back to that person saying, okay, well, we just decided to do X, and I'll summarize what that was. And usually that leading directly to writing the first one. Mm-hmm. first piece is a bit tricky because you're still kind of guessing a bit at what that person really wants. Uh, in many cases, they have my clients have, they've tried to do a blog. It, okay. They, mm-hmm. If they're a speaker, then there might be a lot of interviews that other people have done with them. So the ideal is there's some videos or, or something that, that's out there that I can watch. But but usually I do that, like for example, the name I made up, Susan, but who's a real person, she has a lot of videos online. And because she's so outspoken, I'll actually go and I'll try and find a video that's somewhat related to the piece I'm writing because I can literally take, in some cases, a paragraph out of what she said mm-hmm. and use it in the writing. Okay. There are a lot of other people who I don't do that at all, that I'm kind of almost constructing a framework of who they are and what they sound like because they never have written successfully, so they don't even know what they what they sound like in written words. Okay. So I kind of take what how they sound on the phone mm-hmm. and how what they say to me in email and I try to construct this okay, well this person would write like that. And, you know, and usually what happens is over two or three articles, the first two or three articles, they, you know, they'll send you a note back and, or they'll call me and they say, I like the first, you know, part of the article, but I, the ending, I would never say I was kind of sappy and personal. And I just don't talk like that. Okay. And so you know, that back and forth, you get, you start to get a sense and, and I'm pretty good at picking up quickly. I mean, the, the downside to this profession is that so for example I have a friend who is more of a 
more kind of a, a, along what you do more. She's a very successful. She'll host videos and mm-hmm. and she's good at being in front of people. And she's a great editor. And she's trying to do some ghostwriting. But she said to me, you know, a couple of weeks ago that she had problems because she listened to her client twice. She wrote down what she thought her client said, and twice the client said, "This isn't at all what I was trying to say." And she, how do you, you know, I don't know what I did wrong. I, I felt like I got what she told me. One of the challenges to this is that people will tell you what they think they want, but they because they don't really know like what a good piece is or how to get someone's attention online or how to write a you know a magazine story that people will actually read is you can't always listen to what they say. You have to kind of listen to what, you know, it's easy to get what they want. They want to get more attention, mm-hmm. but you can't take them literally in the instructions they give you because you have to know what works and kind of override sometimes what they're saying. And then when you do, they say, oh, yeah, that's exactly what what I wanted, but it's not what they said. Mm-hmm. It's just that people are getting into areas in which they're uncomfortable, and your job is to kind of navigate them safely mm-hmm. through. So when you were just talking through that, um, something occurred to me. Do you have to send your articles to your clients for approval? Yes. Okay. That's what I do. And then they either, so if they're on LinkedIn, they'll publish it. Mm-hmm. If it's going to a magazine or a newspaper, they'll send it to the newspaper. There are some cases where a magazine or newspaper knows that I'm involved, mm-hmm. but there are other cases that they, they have no idea. Okay. Now, what about confidentiality? How does that kind of play into this? Because obviously your client doesn't want people to know that someone else wrote the article. So do you have a confidentiality agreement that you produce or does, do the clients usually come to you with that already prepared? Yeah, I never, I've never signed one okay. um, or, or been asked to sign one, but I also never say who my clients are. All right. So I think I'm more concerned about that than they are. Mm-hmm. Then you then would say, well, for example, I this wasn't a, a client, but someone who I, I actually am talking to uh, later this week, just uh, someone introduced me. And she wrote a book and she actually said in the book, you know, my writing coach is so-and-so. And, you know, so a lot of times people will, will credit or reveal a ghostwriter. Mm-hmm. But I just think it's bad form to say who your clients are. So I, I just never do. Now, if you had to do this all over again, would you choose this same path and why would you? Uh, Yeah, I love, I really love what I'm doing. The thing, the caution, Mm -hmm. I think, is that you have to enjoy solitary time. You know, like, for example, my life is good in part because I'm a ghostwriter, but I still do some speaking. Okay. So, you know, so it gets me out and with people to have something like that that also present and so i will i very much this week and both this week and next week there's one instance where i'm speaking mm-hmm. and so i spend four days essentially by myself you know except if i go out and exercise or you know go to an event at night and then the having that one day where i get out and i'm in face-to-face with people is great if you're not that you know this is not a great profession to somebody who says i gotta be with people you know, every single day, because you're obviously spending most of your time sitting in front of a computer. Now, as we're looking to wrap the show up today, I do want to give the floor for these last 30 seconds or so to share any final pieces of advice or any thoughts that you have on being a ghostwriter or how other individuals can become a ghostwriter. Well, I think the most important observation I can make is that helping people through communication is is a growth industry. Mm-hmm. That is, that you know, more and more, it's about 
you know, serving people, giving them insights and helping them to get what they want, whether you're selling something in business or whether you're just managing your own career. It's really my philosophy is, you know, how can you help someone else? And then in the long run, it will come around and, and you'll help yourself. So I think that in general, that writing and communicating in the, with that tone is just the smartest thing you can do for a career, even if you decide, I don't want to be a ghostwriter full time, that the skills that are required are just absolutely, you know, essential skills for our age. And with that final piece of advice, we will wrap up today's show on I Want to Be A. Thank you for joining us and sharing your expert advice and experience, Bruce. We do appreciate it. Sure. My pleasure. Thank you so much. And if you're looking for more employment-related shows, head over to algianradio.com. If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions for future shows, please send me an email at algianradio at localjobnetwork.com or send me a tweet at the LJN. And once again, I'm your host, Katie Chesney with LJN Radio, and I wish you the best of luck with your career.